I'm telling you, it's wonderful to be here. John chapter 2, I want to bring you a message entitled, When Jesus Cleaned House. Now, I was supposed to brought this message two weeks ago, but you're just now getting it. So here we go. I want you to stand with me all over the house. You've been sitting for a while. And we're going to read verses 13 through 17. This is going to blow a lot of people's theology out of the water in today's modern church. But here we go. The Bible says in John chapter 2, verse number 13, And the Jews' Passover was at hand. Notice the Jews' Passover. We're still in the Old Testament, basically, system of worship. The Jews' Passover was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem and found in the temple those that sold oxen, sheep, and doves, and the changers of money sitting. And when he, when he had made a scourge of small cords, that is a whip, of small cords, he drove them all out of the temple and the sheep and the oxen and poured out the changers' money and overthrew the tables. Is this Jesus acting like this? Could this really be our Lord? Well, keep reading. And said unto them that sold doves, Take these things hence, make not my father's house a house of merchandise. I would say that the title of the message fits the message when Jesus cleaned house. Let's pray. Father, we're grateful for the day. I pray you'd take your word and speak to our heart. Lord, I pray that if there would find if you'd find anything that's between us, our, our church as a whole, and us as individuals, that's between us and you. I pray, Father, you deal with that this morning. May we leave this place purified by the word. May our conscience be purified. May our heart and soul be cleaned in the blood of Jesus Christ. Would you bless each one that's come this way now? For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. You can be seated. As we read here, it's interesting for me to note that anything that man has had anything to do with, anything that man has ever touched has become corrupted. Can I get an amen? Everything from businesses, if a business is established long enough, it will become corrupt. If a corporation is established long enough by man, it will become corrupt. Governments, after a period of time, no matter how good the founding fathers set that government up, it becomes corrupt. Everything man touches, man corrupts. Even the institutes that God created become corrupt. You say, preacher, what are you talking about? I'm talking about the institutes that God created. The first institute he created was the institute of marriage. In America today, we have corrupted the institute of marriage. The other institute God created was the church. The church has become corrupted. We find Jesus walking into a corrupted Old Testament temple in our scriptures. And so here's what we know. We know from the second law of thermodynamics that says that everything that is organized tends to move toward disorganization. Don't clean your house for a little while and see what happens. Don't reorganize your closet every once in a while and see what happens. Whatever is organized tends to move toward disorganization. You know what it takes? It takes maintenance. Amen. 
It takes getting in there and cleaning out the old and getting rid of the clutter and cleaning up the dirt and keeping things straight and in order. The same is true for the church. And we find that if we don't watch our doctrine, our preaching, our beliefs, our standards, our principles, our precepts in the Word of God, that the church moves toward corruption. That's why we need some good, sound, doctrinal preaching today. Amen. And so that's where Jesus finds this temple here. He finds it dirty, cluttered, disorganized. It, he finds it in a state of corruption. So as our Lord what looks on this scene of corruption, he is eaten up with zeal. Jesus finds here fraudulent dealings. He finds misconduct. He finds a aversion from right. And the first thing we find is evidence that our Lord could not endure. He could not stand a dirty temple. He could not stand a polluted system of worship. And I think that's where our modern church has moved. We've reached the point in the modern church where popularity is more important than purity. Somebody say amen. Where amusement is more important than adoration. It seems to me that in the modern church, we go to church now expecting to be entertained, expecting to be amused, expecting to have some type of enjoyment. Let me tell you something. Church is about worshiping God. Church is about hearing the Word of God and letting the Word of God get in our heart and, and purifying us. Listen, the experience when you get going to church is not about you. It's about worshiping Him who loved us. It's about worshiping Him and giving Him praise who died for us. Now, let me just go on. If you really worship Him and you really praise Him and you've really come with that attitude, you'll get a blessing. You'll enjoy it. Amen. But enjoyment and entertainment are two different things. The ch modern day church has been polluted by entertainment. Oh my. We don't assemble in the house of God to have our desires met. We assemble to fulfill His desire. The Bible says that God inhabits our praise. You want God to come close to you? Start praising Him. You'll find Him in the midst of your praise. Yes, sir. It's interesting to me that the Bible records three cleansings of the temple. Two of those uh, cleansings have already passed and one cleansing of the temple is yet in the future. It has not yet occurred. In the first cleansing here of the temple in John chapter 2, we find that Jesus began his ministry, he began to work miracles, and he began to be master of his Father's will. Let me, if you take notes, write this first down. The first thing I see here, we've already hit it some, is the pollution of the temple. Jesus finds there were three things here that needed immediate attention. There were those in the temple, number one, who sold animal sacrifices. 
They were still under, let me remind you as we read this, they were still under an Old Testament system of sacrifice when Jesus walks in to the Old Testament temple here. The New Testament had not been established. The church had not been established. Christ had not died yet. So Jesus walks into an Old Testament system of worship where an animal sacrifice was still required. So number one, the animal sacrifices had become corrupted. I'll explain that in a minute. Number two, there were money changers there, money exchangers, you might say. They were corrupt. Then finally, the priests were there who should have had the oversight of the whole thing, who should have made sure the house of God was still righteous and holy and just, and yet the priests were corrupt. And boy, when Jesus looked at this scene, he was filled with a righteous indignation. Did you realize there is such a thing as righteous indignation? There is such a thing as righteous anger. This was the feast of Passover, and there were three animal sacrifices mentioned here. There were those who sold oxen, those who sold sheep, and those who sold doves. So as you traveled your pilgrimage to Jerusalem for the Passover, the worshiper would travel to Jerusalem. He would carry money. It was too cumbersome to carry an animal sacrifice for long distances. So they would bring their money. And when they arrived at the temple, they would then, according to their financial status, the more wealthy people would, would buy a larger animal for sacrifice. The middle class people would buy a sheep. The lower class people would have to offer a turtle dove or, or two young pigeons. And so we find even here, as Mary, the mother of Jesus, offered the sacrifice of her purification, she offered two turtle doves because of their poverty. Does everybody understand where we are here with this system of worship? So, you brought money and you purchased. Now, it was a blessing for those who had to travel a long way to the temple. They didn't have to drag animal sacrifices all the way. All they had to take was some money. But then we come to number two. We come to the money changers. The money changers had become just as corrupt as the livestock salesmen. So you see, the livestock salesmen were sitting in this 14-acre temple complex, and they were sitting there selling animal sacrifices for exorbitant prices. These people had come a long way to worship, and, and these livestock salesmen were charging out the nose and overcharged prices for the livestock. That's dishonesty. Somebody say amen. You say it's business. Not in the house of God, it's not business. Number two, there was the money changers. So when you came from afar, you brought your own money, you brought your own coinage, you brought your own currency, but it had to be exchanged for two reasons. The first reason you exchanged that money was so you could buy an animal sacrifice with Hebrew money. The, the second reason was that you could um, exchange that for a temple tax, which was a shekel. So if you brought Roman coinage in, it had to be exchanged for a shekel. The shekel was a legitimate tax from the Old Testament that helped pay for the operation and the maintenance of the temple. It's kind of the building fund. 
Amen. Now, how'd you like it if we had a box out there and we took your W-2 form and we looked at your W-2 form and said, you owe this much for the temple and we keep up our operation and maintenance. You know, some churches do that. Let me tell you something. When you walk into this church, you give what God lays on your heart. I'm not interested in your W-2 and neither is our treasurer. Amen. That's between you and God. And so these people, as they exchange their money to buy the animal sacrifices and also to pay the temple tax, which was for the upkeep, when they changed their money, they got ripped off right in the house of God. Dishonesty. Dishonesty. The money changers were allowed to set up their operations and, and then the priest, number three. The priests had gotten corrupt. Oh, let me tell you something. If you're a leader in this church, it is a requirement of Almighty God for you to keep your heart right. Our church ought to be a place that, that is, is pure and holy and reverent. Amen. Our church ought to be a place where there's respect for God, respect for the Bible, respect for the things of God. Amen. Leaders will have the most responsibility and they have the most accountability before God. God help us to keep this a place of worship. So the priests were the very ones who should have kept the temple free from corruption, yet they permitted and profited from this whole thing. Full of greed, they saw the potential that if they charged a little bit here and a little bit there from those who were profiting, that they could fill their bank accounts at home. Let me tell you something. Boy, I get angry when I think about this. Uh, the pastor is not to make a profit from the church. It's one thing to pay a pastor or the leaders of the church. It is another thing to charge exorbitant prices. Amen. This place is not a place of business. It's a place of worship. It's not a house of merchandise. It's a place where God has required us to assemble, to read his word and praise and worship him. Amen. And so we find that the priests had gone bad, promoting dishonesty. Everything was out of order. Can I just remind us this morning that our God is a God of order. And when you find things out of order, you find God missing. You know why our nation is in such a state of disarray? Because we find God missing. Why is our borders open? Why are we almost at civil war between Texas and the federal government over the border? Why are nine million migrants, they call them, let me, let me just be honest with you, they're illegal aliens. Why are these migrants crossing the border? Nine million, that's more than in the, that lives in the state of Tennessee. There's only 7 million people in Tennessee. What's we, what are you saying, preacher? Why did you get off on that tangent? Because when you find disorder, you find God missing. Amen. What's wrong with our nation is not open borders. It's God missing is what's wrong with our nation. Amen. So it's ironic here that the people who traveled from afar found the temple in disarray. In disorder. The Bible says that our God is a God of order. Now it wasn't the worshippers' fault. They were traveling long distances to worship the Lord and to give Him praise and honor, to offer the right sacrifice. It wasn't their fault. It was the fault of the leadership 
of the temple. The money exchanged was dishonest. The sacrifices sold at exorbitant prices. The priests taking their cut from everything. It's no wonder that Jesus called this church a den of thieves. God help us today in our church to keep our, our whole organization right with God. Somebody say amen. Oh my goodness. We ought to be the more diligent. Listen to me carefully. You say, preacher, how do you guard? How do you guard the church and keep it in the Bible and keep it right? I tell you how you guard it, little by little. Satan wants to move in here and give us a new Bible. Satan wants to move in here with a new version and take all of the good doctrines out of the Bible. Satan wants to move in here with this anticipation of excitement and worship and all this, these things that go on in the modern church that are a million miles from God. Little by little, the church has moved from what God intended it to be. <laughs> so everything here was dishonest. Corrupted by greedy ideology. Oh, listen. That's why the Bible says of the Lord Jesus Christ, the disciples, after this whole scene had been played out, the disciples remembered that it was written in the Old Testament of Jesus Christ, the zeal of thine house hath eaten me up. Folks, where's our zeal today? Where's our zeal for the house of God? Where's our zeal for lost souls? Where's our zeal for the will of God? Where's our zeal for holy living and righteous living? Where's our zeal for standing on what is right? Where's our zeal for thus saith the word of God? God help us to be like our Savior and have a holy zeal for the things of God. Somebody say amen. God help us. So number one, there's the pollution of the temple. Number two, there's the purifying of the Lord. Jesus was moved in zeal. Let me tell you something about zeal. Zeal will move you to action. Amen. Zeal won't let you stay in your pajamas on Sunday morning and watch it online. Zeal won't let you sit down when you see a need in the church, when you see a need that the Lord lays on your heart. Zeal won't let you just sit around and say, well, okay, Sarah, somebody else will take care of it. Zeal won't let you cease corruption move into the house of God while we just sit around and say, well, it's okay, everybody else is doing it. Let me tell you something, everybody else is not doing it. We're trying to stay right with God. And so Jesus was purifying the temple. As this whole scene was playing out before him, he sat down, though he was angry, though he was full of zeal, though there was righteous indignation, he sat down long enough to plait a scourge of small cords. He was patient. He never let his zeal get out of control. The Lord Jesus Christ, when you look at his ministry, never lost his composure. Even though all this unrighteous stuff, this dishonest stuff was going on, Jesus Christ never lost his restraint. Never lost his composure. This again, as I said before, was righteous indignation. Let me tell you something. Jesus was not lenient with evil. Church, we need to make a note here in our personal lives that Jesus Christ is not lenient with our sin. He might be gracious. 
He might give us a space. He might let us buy for a little while. But you be sure, dear friend, that your sin will find you out. So Christ sits down. He has no toleration for sin, no toleration for corruption. And the Bible says He made this scourge of small cords. And the Bible says He drove them out of the temple. You say, preacher, everybody else is preaching this little sweet Jesus who throws flowers around everywhere and, and heals everybody and he's just so full of compassion and love. Yes, he is, but let me tell you something. He is a God who will not tolerate corruption. The Bible says he drove them out. That's aggressive behavior here. You can read it forward, backwards in any version or perversion of the Bible and you'll find that Jesus expresses his actions are decisive. His, his, um, his actions are decisive and yet they are aggressive also. He expelled them with force. He overturned the tables. He drove the cattle out. Uh, he told them with doves. Notice how he handled the doves. He didn't overturn the doves in the cage. He said, you take these things hence. He didn't hurt anything, not even the doves. But he certainly did cleanse the temple. As the title of the message says, Jesus cleaned house. Let me tell you something, folks. Everything needs a good spring cleaning every once in a while. Me and Lisa walked by the beehives the other day, and in the middle of January, it was a little bit warm. You know what the bees were doing? They were cleaning the house. I mean, they had certain bees designated to bring those other dead bees out, and they were pushing the dead bees off the porch, man. They cleaned up them drones in there, those drones that didn't have any more thing to do, no more labor or work to do, and they were cutting their wings off and throwing them off in front of the hive. You say that's cruel. No, that's cleaning house, amen. <laughs> Everything needs some spring cleaning, amen. And Jesus was doing that just exactly that. He said, make not my father's house a house of merchandise. Can I just say this? Don't make God's house about you. Make it about Him. You know when the Lord will really move in here? When we make it about Him. When we come to honor Him, listen, oh, He's been good to us. He's saved us. He's blessed us. He's put us in a free country. He's given us everything on the face of planet Earth. We ought to come in here with the right reason, the right heart, the right praise, the right worship. It's all about Him. Oh, I can tell you, listen to me. I'm going to get, just get personal right now. I don't usually do this. I can tell you where to go to church to find anything you want in my area. If you want a job, I can tell you where to go to church to meet the businessman. Wrong reason to go. If you want to be a political person, I can tell you in my area where the big political bigwigs gather. Wrong reason to go to church. Amen. Wrong motive. A good job, money, businessmen, politicians. Years ago, we had a couple visit our church, I, I guess probably 10 years ago. She loved it. The wife said, I, I haven't heard preaching like this. And 
Oh, good sound doctoral preaching. She was so hungry to hear the word of God preached in power and conviction. She wanted to come back, but her husband wouldn't come because they were members of the larger church where the praise and worship music and the dark atmosphere, and he had advantage going there, political advantage. So instead of going to church to hear the word of God, they decided they would maintain in their church so for political advantage. Wow. I heard an alcoholic say one time, somebody, there was a big party going on, and he came back to work, and they were talking about that big party that they had, that big drinking party. And somebody said, where did you hear about that drinking party? He said, oh, I heard about it at church. There's something wrong with that, folks. Somebody say amen. We ought to be full of zeal when it comes to that. Alcohol is tearing up our homes, our nation, our churches. And yet, we find about parties in the church. Let me tell you something, folks. I believe we ought to have the utmost respect for this place. I believe when we come here, we ought to come with reverence. Oh yeah, we have a good time. We carry on. We joke. We laugh. There's a wonderful spirit here. But there still ought to be respect for the house of God. Oh my. I know of a church not far from here. You could throw about throw a rock and hit it. Friend, it's in Smith County. And I live in Russell County. I shouldn't know all these things. The pastor was, the pastor was involved in a sex scandal. The next pastor they got, another sex scandal. And guess what? There was a spirit of adultery that moved into that church. You say, preacher, a spirit of adultery? The Bible says there's a spirit of adultery. I'll be preaching that in a few weeks. And I'm going to preach it hard. What's, what are you saying, preacher? Little by little by little, the church gets corrupted. But you know what? Jesus turned it into a place of worship again. Amen. You know what will turn this place into a place of worship? The presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Aren't you glad you feel his presence here? I tell you, I feel his presence here when I come. I got chill bumps right now. I feel his presence when I'm standing on the door shaking hands. Amen. I feel his presence when I'm in my study bowing my head saying, Lord, we need something this morning. We need some fresh bread from heaven. Lord, we need a touch of your spirit. I feel his presence in our service and our singing. I praise God for the spirit that's here. It becomes a place of worship. The Bible is called, and I've got to hurry here for this place of worship. This is the last P. It's called the house of God. Jesus called it my house. Three, it's called the house of prayer. Four, it's called the ecclesia, the called out ones. Five, it's called the body of Christ. Six, it is called the assembly of the saints. The Bible says in Isaiah 56, my house shall be called a house of prayer. Yet Jesus found that temple in that day. It had been become clamorous with the sound of haggling and dealing. No respect, no reverence, no righteousness. It had become secular and not sacred. It had become more like a carnival than a church. It had become more criminal than Christ-like. This narrative is so important that all four gospel writers write down the fact that Jesus walked in and cleansed the temple. Now I'm closing with this, these few points. 
The first time Jesus cleansed the temple was at the beginning of his ministry. His ministry was going to be three and a half years long. He goes in at the beginning of his ministry, and he, boy, he just runs them out. I mean, you'd think that if Jesus Christ himself cleansed this temple, that it would remain that way. Wrong. For about three and a half years later, at the end of his ministry, when he was going to the cross, he finds it in exactly the same shape again. Wow. What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying if we're not careful, this church can become corrupt with the ways of the world. If we're not careful, bad doctrine will move in. Oh, it might move in through a song or through a singing. It might move in through a minister. It might move in through some type of leadership. But you, you hear me, the devil would love to corrupt this church. God help us to keep it a place of pureness and a place of worship. The third P. You say, preacher, that's two cleansings of the temple. Jesus cleansed it at the beginning of his ministry. He had to cleanse it at the end of his ministry when he went to the cross. Will he cleanse it again? Yeah, he will. You say, the temple? Yeah, I'm not talking about the church now. I'm talking about the temple. You see, in the future, there will be another Jewish temple built. According to the word of God, there's going to be, it's not there yet, but there will be a third Jewish temple. The closer we get to the building of that temple, the closer we are to the coming again of the Lord Jesus Christ. When that temple is built, the Jews are going to build it looking for their Messiah. And you know who their Messiah is going to be? Their Messiah is going to be the Antichrist. And the Antichrist is going to move into that temple, and you know what he's going to do? He's going to take that Old, Old Testament system of worship, and he's going to corrupt it again. But I got news for you. Here's the good news. Jesus is coming again. And he's going to cleanse that temple. You know why? He can't stand corruption. He couldn't stand it in the past. He can't stand it in the present. And he won't stand it in the future. Amen. That's the God we serve. When he comes again, the Bible says he's coming in Malachi chapter number 3. Listen to me carefully. When he comes again, he's going to be a refining fire. You know what a refining fire is? It's a very, very hot fire. When Jesus Christ comes again, it's not only going to be like a refining fire. The Bible says he's going to be like a fuller soap. You know what a fuller soap is? It's Granny's lye soap. <laughs> if you've ever had a bath in Granny's lye soap, I guarantee you, you came out clean. Jesus is going to clean up this future temple. Now here's the question, dear friend. Are you right with God? Are you I'm not talking about you having some experience. I'm not talking about you getting some amusement or getting some excitement. I'm talking about it in your heart of hearts. Is there something between you and God or is there some impurity that you know needs to be dealt with? Let's bow our heads. That's how, exactly how I'm going to handle this invitation. Dear friend, you want to be happy? Get right with God. <laughs> you want to find joy? Get rid of that thing that's between you and God. You want to find true praise and worship and happiness? 
Get rid of anything that's polluted your heart. And you know it. And right now, as she just plays softly, I want to ask you, dear friend, do you need to be on this altar? I'm giving an altar call right now. If there's something between you and God, I want you to get it right today, right now. Leave this place with some joy. Leave this place with some fresh excitement about life. What about it, friend? Maybe there's one here that's lost. You don't know Christ as your Savior. Would you come to Christ right now? He's coming again. If you're not right with Him, if you're not washed in His blood, dear friend, it will be eternal punishment for you. Are you right with God? That's the question. Is your temple clean? Our body, the Bible says, our body is a temple of the Holy Ghost. Is your personal temple clean for the Holy Ghost to dwell in? Why don't you get it right today? Now. Today is the day of salvation. Now is the accepted time. When he comes again, there will be a refining. It will be from corruption. There will be a cleansing. Where will you stand? When you stand before God. I don't know about you, dear friend. But I want my heart to be right. I want my heart to be pure. You say, how do you do that, preacher? It has to happen on a daily basis. Because little things come into my life. Listen to me carefully. Little things come into my life every day that have to be dealt with. Or it's just like the second law of thermodynamics. Everything, even your heart, moves from order to disorder. Somebody say amen. And if you allow your heart to keep moving from order to disorder, it will only get worse and worse and worse. But here's the remedy. Oh, Jesus Christ can turn it all around. In an instant, in a moment, he can turn your life and your heart around. I'm through preaching. Brother Brian, would you come dismiss us in a word of prayer? Father, Lord, as we close this service this morning, Lord, I just pray that we would just take a moment and reflect, Lord, and just ask, are we right before you, Lord? And Lord, I just pray that if the answer to that question would be no, if I'm being honest, I'm not right before you. There's something I'm harboring, Lord, that's affecting my relationship with you. Lord, I just pray that we would take the opportunity to make that right before you, Lord. Not with a generic prayer of forgive me of my sins, Lord, but be specific with what it is you need forgiveness from. Lord, we thank you that you're a God not of just one or two chances, but as many chances as it takes to make us right, Lord. Lord, I just thank you for that gracious love that you have for us, Lord, in spite of ourselves sometimes. And Lord, as we turn the page into February, this week ahead, Lord, I just pray that we would truly set our sights on what are we going to do for Christ? Lord, I pray that you just bless us as we go our separate ways, Lord, and just allow us to be a beacon of light in this crazy world for you. Now bless us as we depart, Lord, and give us the desire to be back in your house at the next appointed time. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.